know that there's many of you that are, that are doing good, but there's also sometimes we deceive ourselves. We, we think we're doing good, but possibly we're not as good as we, need, as we think we are. Possibly we're not where we should be. And today I want to challenge you. I want to challenge your faith to go to the next level. I want to challenge you in your vision. I want to challenge you in your spiritual perception. You see, when you think of God's plan for your life, what do you see? What do you see for your life? What do you see for your ministry? What do you see for your family? You see, when you think of Jesus and his kingdom, what do you see? How do you perceive things? When you, what is your perception of God? And what is your understanding of Christianity? How far can you see ahead? You see, it has to do with your eyesight. And today's message is about opening up your eyes. Opening up your eyes. Lifting your eyes to see what God has for you. You know, when I was, uh, I took my kids to get their eyes tested. I took Sonny, uh, likes to be called Cruz. Cruz, I, you know, he's smart, you know. See, being Sonny Arizona Jr., there's a lot of pressure on that, okay, because my dad's such a big man of God. And I think my kid, Sonny, early on noticed <laughs> that if I have Sonny Arganzoni the third, oh, there's triple pressure. <laughs> so I think he said, you know, I'm going to go with my real first name. And our for real first name, if you didn't know this, is Cruz, C-R-U-Z. That's my dad's first name. Our middle name is Sonny. So there you go. Just something to learn there. You know, now you know. So he is, goes by Cruz. Anyway, we went to the eye doctor. We went to the optometrist and getting their eyes checked. We went to get our, their eyes checked. And I noticed that when it was the color test, the, color, the colorblind test, I don't know if you ever took that test, where you're supposed to see colors like the eight in a, in a like say it's green, but then there's also eight with, with, with red. And he couldn't see it, this guy. He could not see it. You know, and I was thinking, why can't you see it? Then I got a little worried a little bit for a minute. And I asked the doctor, she, he goes, he goes, that, that's normal for their age. Sometimes they don't see the color. I go, oh, I felt good that he, you know, he wasn't blind, colorblind. But, but it's important to understand that some people spiritually are colorblind. They're seeing things in black and white. They're seeing things not in full effect, in full color. I think every one of us could grow in our perception. Not, any, not one person in this place knows everything about God. Not one person in this place has learned it all. Not one person in this place can interpret this word perfectly. There's still much more to learn. The Bible is inexhaustible. In other words, you can't fully understand everything about God in, 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 in one lifetime even. I believe there's so much more to learn, so much more to grow in. Even with all the resources we have in this world, there's still much more to know. But it's important for, us to stand, under, important for us to understand is what is it that God wants to reveal to us? What is it that we're called to do? See, we're not called to know everything. We're called to know some things and know them well. Are you hearing me? We're called to know him. We're called to know what he's called us to do. And we're called to do it well. You see, God wants to take us to new levels. Let's look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, we're going to read starting in verse 17. Are you with me so far? Here in Mark chapter 8, verse 17, let's start reading. It says, Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason? This is, what, this is after he's talking to them about, uh, well, let's go to verse 13 to get the context a bit here, okay? He left them again 
and getting into the boat, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. They were thinking the natural. Jesus is teaching them a spiritual principle. They're thinking the natural. Lots of times, these disciples, even though they walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, slept where Jesus slept, I mean, did everything with Jesus, watched his miracles, they didn't get it. And even we, as Christians of five years, 10 years, 20 years, sometimes we just don't get it. God is trying to tell us something. We just don't get it. We're seeing things in black and white. Instead of seeing things in the three-dimensional, we're seeing things in two-dimensional. God has taken us to new levels, so we're going to have to learn how to see things in different perspectives. Have a paradigm shift at times. God wants to open up our eyes. Say to the person next to you, open up your eyes, even if you're tired. <laughs> Amen. No one's tired here today. I see a lot of good eyes. Now, it goes on to say, and the reason among themselves saying is because we have no bread. But Verse 17, but Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Now, I want you to take these questions personally, okay? Think of it, Jesus telling us that, all right? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not yet, do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves, for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. So he said to them, how is it that you still don't understand? You know, it's important for us to, to catch this, that these men were the closest to Jesus, and they still weren't getting it. Even as leaders, sometimes we still don't get it. We have to have an open mind. We have to have a, a perception that's open and we see things clearly. And then we have to look at ourselves clearly to get the real picture of what we need to adjust or change. Amen? Verse 22, this is the object lesson that Jesus, is, Jesus begins to demonstrate now to bring this home. Okay? This is the object lesson that he begins to show. And Now watch this. Verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him. And begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. It goes on to say, then he put his hands on his eyes again. Say, he put his hands on his eyes again. Say it. Come on. Let's, let's, let's work with me today. Okay put his hands on his eyes again, and he made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now, understand this. Now, Jesus, how many of you know that Jesus could have touched him once, and boom, it's done. He didn't have to use even spit. He could just say, be healed. Boom. But he chose to do a different method. He chose to do it in stages, in progression. Why, Why is he doing that? He's showing, listen, just like the disciples, I'm going to heal this blind man the way they're learning. I want to show you that, look it, you're progressing in your faith. You're progressing in your vision. Even Pastor Sonny Sr. 
has had progression in faith, progression in vision. Throughout the years, I watched it as a kid growing up. I didn't fully understand it. I still don't fully understand it, but I'm, I have more understanding than I did when I was his age, you know, my son's age. And, and now, as I look back, I see the stages. I see some of those levels of those progressions. And I see also that he, even in his later years, he still is seeing things big. And he still has eyes for the world more than ever. Not just vision for the world, but also a know-how and how to break into continents and how to really make an impact because of all the experience and all the years and knowing uh, what he's doing. You see, I believe Jesus here is teaching an object lesson of progression of faith and also the ability to perceive and understand to the disciples. It's important for us to understand that we always got to be in the disciple mentality. What does that mean, disciple? It means to be a what? You guys know this. To be a what? A learner, right? Always being teachable. Always in a posture to learn. And this morning, I know you came with that mentality. See, they had a hard time getting it. The disciples, many times, they would, you know, they would talk about who's going to be at the right hand, who's going to be at the left hand, who's going to get glory, who's going to get this. They're into their own thing, kind of like the generation today. A lot of immature people walking around. I want my own ministry. I want to do my thing. I'll use this ministry to get where I want to go with my agenda. And you find a lot of people doing their own thing. You find a lot of people on Facebook blowing themselves up. You find a lot of people on Twitter talking about how great they are, they are. Instead of how great is our God, how great I am. Sing with him. How great. They're into themselves. I call it, it's a, it's a, it's a nation of meitis. Not hepatitis, arthritis. We got meitis. It's a new disease. Me, myself, and I syndrome. And it's hard to break that mentality. And you know what breaks that mentality? Is a vision that's bigger than self. Having a vision and being able to transmit that vision to people that have that mentality. To let them know, look, you could be used in this great move of God. In this church, in this region, in this world. And God can use your ability to make a difference. But you need to have a perception of Jesus that's real. That's life-changing. Because it starts with Jesus, it continues with Jesus, and it ends with him. And with Jesus, you can make it happen. Also, you got to understand, you die to self when you go after Jesus. You die to the flesh. You die to your wants. You die to your, what you want to do. And you begin to live for what he wants you to do. In the case of this particular blind man, just a little side note here. It is the only recorded example of a progressive cure in the Gospels that Jesus did. You see, three out of the four recorded cases of sight restored that were, were brought, either brought, were brought to Jesus or came to Jesus. But in the case of this man that was born, the case of the man that was born blind, not this particular guy, but the guy that was born blind, the physician came to the patient. Meaning this, that some seek and find Christ, others he has found, who seek him not. You see, Jesus has an agenda, and he wants to save and seek. Seek and save. I would like to relate and apply these portions of Scripture in two ways. The blind eyes, referring to spiritual death. Okay? Now, I don't think there's anyone spiritually dead in this place. You wouldn't be here on a, on a rainy day. <laughs> I don't think you, you're, you're in your sin without Jesus. He saved you already. You know you're saved. Okay? But I believe it's a possibility that 
you could go back to being spiritually dead if you're not careful. There's also another way I want to apply this is the, not just the blind eyes, but the blurred eyes. Blurred eyes. And I believe there's some possibly here, you're in this state. You're in this stage. You have a blurred vision. Now, it happens sometimes. You could be saved one year and you're seeing things clear. Then the next year, all of a sudden, you go into a blurred vision because of situations. And I'll bring it out in a minute how that happens. But then also in five years of ministry, you're doing great. You're involved now. You're a minister possibly. But then you find yourself, well, your vision is unclear. You begin to see things in a blurred way. Why do these things happen? You're going to hear about it in this message. See, blind eyes, how does this happen? We can only, referring to this blind man now in the passage, we can only speculate on how this man become, became blind. We can't, we can't tell you how it happened, but I can tell you that we could, we could be safe to say that at one time he could see. How do we know this? He saw men walking like, how do you know they're a tree? How do you know what it looks like? How do you know what a man looks like unless you've seen it one time before? Our image of it. So at one time, he could see. You see, but this blind, uh, spiritually, we all are born blind. Spiritually, we're all born blind from birth. All people are born blind, spiritually speaking. But also, we could be blinded from backsliding. Hello, somebody. See, backsliding, sometimes, sometimes we look at a backslider and say, wow, how did he backslide? Oh, my God, he was just serving God so good, and all of a sudden he backslid. No, it wasn't all of a sudden. It was a subtle process. I call it, you don't backslide suddenly, you backslide subtly. Subtly. It's a subtle digression or a subtle regression of faith rather than a progression. It happens to the best of people. How many of you know that? It's not a fun thing to get excited about. I mean, we're not going to go, oh, yeah, praise God, somebody backslid. No, it's a sad situation. But it happens slowly. It doesn't happen immediately. You see? We, sometimes we get healed immediately, we get touched immediately, we get faith immediately because God touches us, but then we die out spiritually slowly, many times. Never fully, blinded from backsliding, never fully open their eyes, having weak faith. If you are blind today, Jesus wants to heal you and make you see. I don't see any blind people here today. I see a lot of people that can see some, some you can see good. Some of you are in that state right now. You're seeing things so clear, and you're feeling good. That's a good place to be. Just keep it like that. But others, possibly you're in that, mm, you know, you need spiritual eye drops from God. <laughs> Some Holy Ghost eye drops. At World Conference one time, one of the World Conferences we had, a guy came to me after the service, and he says, when I walked into this place, I was an atheist. And he said, and I was literally an atheist. I didn't believe God. I came here to kind of mock what's going on here. He was one of the 15,000 people there, I believe, in San Diego when we had it there. And he came up to me and he told me, but somehow through the word of God and the message that, that was brought, I received my sight. Because I was blind. He, this is his words. I was blind, but now I see. Isn't that powerful? Then in one setting, one sitting of hearing the word of God, God opened up his eyes miraculously. It could happen to atheists. It could happen because God is an all-powerful God. He's able to do miracles in the lives of people. See, when Jesus touches a person for the first time, a person, that person is either dramatically transformed and or converted, or they start a gradual progression of change. Okay? 
Now, some of you here, and if I take a poll, some of you say, when you got saved, you felt something. Anybody here like that? When you felt, you felt God really hit you, touched you, okay? Now, some of you said the prayer, but you didn't feel a thing. Raise your hand initially. That's okay, but you're still here, and you're still serving God. Some people get touched and zapped, and some people get, they just say the prayer, and by faith, they say, well, you're saved now. You're like, okay. You hear a bird, tweet, tweet, tweet. <laughs> you don't feel nothing. You don't see nothing. Everything seems the same. And you're like, you know, what is going on? It's not a feeling. It's a faith. But thank God for the feeling at times. I love it when he shows up and you feel him. That helps your faith. But it's not dependent on that for you to continue in faith. For we walk by faith and not by, nor by feeling. It's not by feeling. Some people, you don't feel like coming today. But by faith, you came. Thank God you did because your faith is growing at this very moment. The word brings faith and it builds your faith. Amen. When Jesus uh, also, Jesus will finish what he starts. He will finish what he starts. You see, if you allow him, he'll continue the growth process in your life. It's sometimes when we get to a stage or a place in our Christian walk where we stop growing. And it's not because Jesus doesn't want to grow us. It's because we stop desiring growth. We stop wanting and we stop desiring. We stop having, we stop having that appetite to grow. We, we, we begin to cease from what got us to where we're at. You see, but if we want to keep on growing and keep on seeing and keep on going to new horizons, we got to stay hungry. Now, let's talk about, we talked about the blind eyes. Now, let's talk about the blurred eyes. Some people have blurred eyes because they are in transition or progression towards full perception and vision. You hearing that? Some people have blurred eyes because they are in transition or progression toward full perception or vision. You know, when we left La Puente, I was seeing clearly when we left, but then the journey began. The transition began. And in that transition, at times, things got blurry. Things, and I like to open up myself because I know there's leaders here that you're going to face this someday, if you haven't already. You're going to face these, oppor the, these opportunities to have blurred vision. And you can begin to recognize it faster than I did and learn from it. Okay, learn from others. And when we started doing, and things weren't going the way I thought they were, we were supposed to be in that new building by a year to a year and a half. And I had so many great ideas for our new building. I mean, I had so many great plans. I had my staff, I had this, I had that, I had all these do, new ways of doing things. All these things all of a sudden began to develop dust, spiritually speaking, <laughs> I, as time went on. And things weren't happening according to the way I planned them. Then I had to begin to trust God in those times. And at times I found myself on my knees in my office, crying out to God and saying, God, where are you? You brought me out here. And God, I got to see this thing complete. And I started thinking about what are the people going to think about me? Hello? There it is. They're going to compare me to my dad. And they're going to say he's not like his dad. And blah, blah. I mean, there's so many things that went through my mind. The devil lies heavy. 
And they're going to say, well, he brought us out here after we left such a great place. And now we're over here. We could have dealt with the county problems. We could have done all these things because we had a county situation where they didn't want us to do a lot of events. And that's what, one of the reasons why we left because we couldn't be Victory Outreach in that place. Okay, so I had to make a decision. Do we want to be Victory Outreach, do our big events, do a lot of what we do? Or do we want to live under a, almost a bondage <laughs> of the county with all these restrictions on what we can and cannot do? And I talked to the people. They all said, let's go. So I went with that, and I went with God. So when we went out, we didn't realize. I'm going to slip here. I better get over here. <laughs> um, when we went out, all of a sudden, man, it wasn't as I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but it wasn't. Because first of all, let me just say, let me just, we're breaking this down, right? Can we just break it down? I'm just talking, you guys, I'm talking to you like I talked to Josie at dinner. <laughs> we, we, as soon as we start making that decision, first, first, at first people say, yeah, we're going to go. But when it came down to brass tacks, when it came down to actually leaving, ooh, I see Whittier, Victor Average. <laughs> that looks more closer. It's more local. Because we're moving 17 miles up, you know, away, eastern. And now they see Whittier, and all of a sudden, man, we started contributing to fast growth, church growth. Man. Whittier, and Joe began to go, whoa. Started feeling anointed. <laughs> and not just people that are ordinary. you got mother church people. These people give. These people love God. These people know, have experience. They've been around. We got blessed. <laughs> Him and my sister. And at first, I was a little bit bugged by it, to be honest. Any pastor would be a little bit bugged by that. But I had to let it go. Because that blurs you up. It messes you up. It messes with your head. You start thinking negative thoughts about the people. Then you start thinking negative thoughts about you. You start thinking negative thoughts about your brother-in-law <laughs> and your sister. <laughs> you know, stealing my people. <laughs> I had to let it go quick. And I really did. I was so, in that sense, situation, I was kind of proud of myself. And my dad was kind of amazed by it. My dad would say, you're okay with them? I go, Dad, it's God's people. I'm just happy they're still in Victory Outreach. And if that's an easier location, praise the Lord. And I was just happy that they weren't leaving mad at me. They were just leaving for convenience. I didn't, really, I didn't do nothing negative to them. I didn't say, you're not blessed out. <laughs> you're going with a curse. <laughs> Go ahead. It's on your own. Go with yourself, not with God. I didn't do that. I just said, praise the Lord. Go ahead. Just stay, stay faithful there. Stay faithful there. So that happened initially. Then, as the time went on on the journey, I lost a few more people because it wasn't happening as fast as we projected for it to happen. People lose faith. People get, they're weak. And they go by what they, hello, see, naturally, not spiritually, naturally. So we can show all the videos we want of what we're going to see or how the building's going to look and blah, 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 and what you're going to do and talk about it all we want. But until they see action, they won't follow some people. Others will follow because they made a decision. This is my God, my church. This is my ministry. I'm committed to it. 
this is my pastor. I have one church. I'm not a church hopper, and I will stay firm on what God has me to do. And now, remember this. Nothing against those people that do leave, because sometimes they really are led by God. Let them go. Pastor, let them go. Okay? Sometimes we really got to look at ourselves as leaders. Take the adjustments. Okay? I, and I didn't mean to go into all this, but it's happening. <laughs> this is how I do it, you know. I share, you know. Others have reverted. Not to see some people get blurred eyes because they are in transition or progression towards something and full perception of vision. Others have reverted because from having full view or perspective on God and his plan for their life, okay? In other words, they had full view, had full perspective, but something internally began to go wrong, okay? It wasn't a circumstance that caused them to regress, but it was something inside that began to regress. They began to lose something on the inside, their desire, their passion for God. Now, how do you know if you have blurred eyes? Let me give you some blurred-eyed symptoms, okay? Blurred-eyed symptoms. Number one, lack of understanding. As I'm speaking this morning, and I think I'm pretty much laying it out pretty plain and simple, but there's possibly somebody here that's lacking understanding. And possibly that limits you, and that not possibly, it does limit you, in you progressing in your faith. Now, what I would do in a situation like that, I would say, God, give me spiritual understanding. Open up my mind. You know, before I got saved, I wasn't a reader. After I got saved, I still wasn't kind of, I wasn't a good reader. But when I went and separated myself, put myself in the men's home there in Holland, all of a sudden I said, God, open my mind up. Teach me how to read. I knew how to read, but teach me how to really like it to understand what I read, to comprehend it. And all of a sudden, I became a reader. I read more books in seven months than I did in my whole life. Actually, in two lives, if I had three lives. <laughs> I mean, if, you know, I mean, really, I read, like, shelves. I read the book of Job in one night. I was just reading, I just read it, man, and I, I studied it. I mean, I was just, because God began to open my mind up. Some of that happened to you. Some of you couldn't read before you came to Christ. All of a sudden, God gave you the ability to read. Isn't that a beautiful thing? In the same way, for us today, don't let a lack of understanding keep you back from having full eyesight, full, full perception. Okay? Don't think low of yourself if you're not as smart as the next guy either. Let me just throw that in for free. Or oh, this guy's slick and this guy that, but I'm just a guy that, you know, I can't read. I can't do this. I, listen, get the I can't out. Begin to believe what God says about you. See, also trying to figure things out. We're talking about lack of understanding. Trying, like the disciples, trying to figure things out in the natural when God is telling you something spiritual. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to understand things that are spiritual. We can't get outside of that. We try to figure it out in the natural, we're always going to fall short. Lack of understanding, meaning lack of study, too. Lack of study. If you don't study, you're not going to learn. You're not going to grow. We're not going to learn or grow if we don't study. And sometimes we hear sermons, but we think, okay, we heard it once. I think sometimes you need to get the CD and the video. Hear it again. See it again. Because at different stages of your walk, at different stages of your leadership, that message will hit for you then. 
That morning, it may not hit you. Oh, that's for him. Or that's for her. Praise the Lord. Amen. I stretch my hands toward them. Blessings. <laughs> but all of a sudden, a year down the road, you forgot all about that message, but that's the message you needed then. But you can't find it anywhere. Because you didn't take the time to get the CD or get the... And I'm not trying to sell anything because I don't need the money. I just want people to know the word so they can be blessed, so they can get the breakthrough, so they don't have to go through some of the stuff that I've been through. I want you to learn. I want you to grow. I want, I want you to avoid some of the things possibly that I have been through or my dad has been through or Josie, sister Josie has been through or anyone else. Okay? Lack of understanding also has to do with not listening. God gave you one mouth and two ears. So you could talk half as much as you hear. Is that right? <laughs> so instead of talking so much, sometimes we are thinking of the next thing we're going to say before the person's even finished talking. And somebody's trying to pour into your life, just zip it. Zip it.com, you know, just, just quiet. Shh. Be quiet. Let them speak. That's what I had to learn with my dad. And I have so many good illustrations now, now that I'm having my own kids. <laughs> I see myself now <laughs> in mine. And not this one, but the other one, the older one. Uh, man, <laughs> he's a frustrating sometimes. And he's so smart. He's smart for his age. He's one of the top students. But then I talk to him, and he goes, why? Why? I mean, he's always, why? I'm like, come on, don't give me the why stuff. You know, I'm just asking you a simple question. Give me the answer. <laughs> You know, then I think about, then I'm trying to coach him in baseball, and he says, it's not helping, Dad. It's not helping. <laughs> but then I then another coach talks to him, and he's listening. <laughs> not even listening. I'm like, oh, frustrates me, you know. How much more is it with, with our disciples sometimes? It was the same thing, right? You get the same. And how much more with God looking at us? <laughs> And the disciples with Jesus, that's what he was, he was frustrated at times. Look at these guys. They don't get it. Oh, my God, they don't get it. Oh, ye of little faith, he would say. You know, and sometimes that happens with us, too, because we choose not to listen. With my dad, sometimes I didn't listen early on. I heard him, but I didn't listen. You know, part of the reason why we don't listen is because we don't get it. We don't get the equation. We don't get the full understanding of what they're saying. Instead of asking more questions, what we do is we walk away saying, okay, I understand. We don't. So some situations require the why. Not a smart like why, <laughs> but a real why. <laughs> okay, why? So teach me how so I can really learn. But don't do it in a way where it's rhetorical or you're just, just trying to get it. You know, to see what if they really know. You know, don't don't do that. Don't test your leaders like that. Really want to learn. Really want to grow. Am I getting anywhere with this, guys? Okay. Also, another reason why people are blurred is lack of trust, lack of faith, lack of trust, lack of faith. You see, without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please Him. Faith is impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. See, sometimes we lack faith for the little things, for the little stuff. And sometimes we lack faith also for the big. Don't trust, we don't trust God for the basic needs. We're always worried. We're worry warts, walking around worried. 
And God already said, you seek me first and my righteousness. Seek my righteousness and, and it's the kingdom of God and I'll add everything to you. You're going to have everything taken care of. But we worry about what we're going to wear. We worry about what food. Sometimes we worry about food. Sometimes we're thinking about food too much. <laughs> Where are we going to eat today? And tonight. Wait, what about tomorrow night? Hmm. Start setting ideas. What are we going to eat uh, next week? We're over. I mean, and where are we going to get the money for that? And what, Listen, God will provide for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own worries. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his, and all these things will be added to you. You see, basic stuff will get you blurred. Basic lack of trust. Basic. Sometimes we get so big on the big stuff. We major on the majors, but we forget the minors. What got us to the majors? The basic fundamentals of faith. The basic fundamentals of spiritual disciplines has got us to where we're at, and that will keep us where we're at all the time. Are you hearing me? If we stop, like for instance, baseball. I love baseball. If we stop, if we stop playing catch and we just go out there and just throw hard, we're gonna mess our arm up. We gotta do those basic things. We gotta take batting practice. We gotta also get some bunts in. To, to know what when different situations come up, we're ready for it. We're ready to make those things and do those things and execute the play. You see, practice the principles. Practice tithing and offering, even when you have zip in your account. Hello, well, where do I get it from? Well, put it on your credit card if you have to. Just make sure you pay your tithes because God will bless you. Right? God will take care of you. Okay. Your ties are important. If you're making something, you should give something. If we trust God for the little things, we can believe God for the big things. See, many times the difference between a good leader and a great leader is their eyesight. A good leader to a great leader. God wants us to clear up our eyes. He wants to clear them up for us. If we just open up our eyes to him and say, God, give me some spiritual contacts. <laughs> give me some, you know, give me what I got. Give me that laser surgery. Give me what I need because I don't want to stay here the same. Another symptom of blurred eyesight, not only lack of understanding, lack of trust or, or faith, but also self-centeredness, a self-centered mentality. Always concerned, and I said this before, about me, myself, and I, and maybe my wife too, but mostly me. <laughs> Sometimes we just get so into me that we begin to disqualify what God wants to do. Instead of looking ahead, you're always looking in your rearview mirror. Looking behind and say, what I did wrong and how many things. And sometimes you get so down on yourself that it hinders your forward progress. So, you know, have you ever looked in a rearview mirror too long and then you looked forward and you're kind of like blurred? It's, I'm talking now I'm talking natural. When you're in the car, you're looking in the mirror. And some, it, it, for some people, it's when you were high. You <laughs> this is BC days. When you would be looking at that mirror, you didn't want to get caught by a cop. So you'd be like, anybody from behind you? You're all like, you know what I mean? If you're on speed, you're really crazy looking. Cop pulls up next to you, like. I mean, you're, you, you, get those, you get anxious. You get real fidgety. You get, what's that word? 
paranoid, but in other words, sketchy. You're sketchy. You're sketchy. And sometimes we get spiritually sketchy when things are not going the way we want them to go. We begin to get nervous. We begin to get fidgety and, and because things aren't working out for me. But sometimes God is setting the table for you by blessing someone else or doing something in others through you at your lowest state of faith, at your lowest state of excitement, at your lowest passionate moment, God is still using you if you stay trusted in him, if you stay connected to him, you're building someone else as God is taking care of and ready, setting your table, resetting your table. You hearing me? So in that moment, don't let that moment get you down or get you out of place where God wants you. In other words, get your eyes off yourself. Put your eyes back where they belong on Jesus. Always with hands opened, facing upwards. Many of us are like, there's moments for that, but then there's times that we just got to put our hands to the plow and take care of business. Bless me syndrome. We got to get rid of that syndrome. Bless through me. Get that syndrome. God, bless me so I can be a channel of blessings to others. Okay? God wants to open up our eyes so they can see, a need, see the need around us. Number four, another symptom of blurred eyes is tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. Leaders can only see as far as, sometimes this is a negative, as far as their own personal ministry. That's all they see, their personal ministry. They miss the bigger picture. Sometimes that happens even with evangelists. When they're in a church, they have the vision of the house. They're part of the team. They're part of the vision of what's going on there. And as soon as they get launched to be an evangelist, they don't care one thing about that church anymore. All they want is a booking. <laughs> I just want to make sure I, I go out and I minister because it's about me and my ministry now. You got to be careful there. I don't know if there's any upcoming evangelists here, but you got to remember you're always a part of something bigger than you. And you're always under a covering. And that's a safe place to be. When you're under a covering, under leadership, under accountability, then it preserves you and it keeps you in a place and protects you from spiritual tragedy. Anyone hearing that? I'm just dropping some nuggets here because some of you are going to rise up big and strong, but don't forget where you come from. Remember, always honor your house, the church house that you're from, and stay respectable there. And then always remember that you're part of a bigger thing than Victory Outreach and the kingdom of God. Don't miss the big picture. Now, these are some of the symptoms of blurred eyes. Let's go into real quick the, what are some of the causes, okay? Symptoms and causes are two different things. What causes your blurred eyes? Four things I put. There's probably a lot more, but I just put four things real quick. Number one, sin. Sin could cause us to begin to revert from having eyes wide open to going back to blurred vision. In 1 John 1, 9, how do you cure that? If we confess, with our, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, that's the way to get rid of it. Now, some people say the prayer, but they don't repent. And they've learned to be tolerant with those pet sins. There used to be a vice called a vice, but really it's a sin. <laughs> it's a sin. And we've gotten used to it. It's like Sister Josie takes that dog around everywhere she goes, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> Don't put down there. I'm sorry. My mom does the same thing. Take their dogs everywhere they go now. It's like it's become their pet. Some people have their pet sins. That's not, not a sin, by the way. <laughs> Just want to make sure we're clear about that. But I'm saying I'm losing that as a, as a metaphor, as you know. But some people, they're living with that sin, and they become tolerant. And other people around them are enablers now because they got used to it, too. Well, that's just the way he is. He's never going to change. Oh, oh, really? Is God not big enough for that? Is God unable to break that or break that bondage? You see, little sins turn into bigger sins. And one compromise turns into big compromise, and big compromise turns into a big fall. So we got to be careful. There's a lot of people with a said faith, not the real faith. They have a verbal faith, a profession of faith, but their life is starting to go another direction. All right, let's move on to the next one, since that's not a fun one. Neither is this one. Sadness. Sadness could cause you to get blurred. When you lose a family member, tragedy hits your home. Sickness could hit. That's actually, actually my third point. But these things cause you to be sad. Problems arise. Family acts up. Your kids. All of a sudden, you're doing so good, and all of a sudden, your kids. Oh, there you go. There they go. It's always one thing after another, isn't it? It's like as soon as you get things together, oh, something comes up the next week. Isn't that crazy how that happens? And I, always, I, ask, I used to ask God, why do you allow this? Because well, I'm still molding you. I use trials to prepare you for the next level. I use circumstances to get you refined and prepared to do what God, what I've called you to do for the next thing. And that's when he, uh, th- but he says, rejoice in it. So I go, oh, that's hard. But I've learned more than I used to to rejoice in the midst of my trials. I don't rejoice for the trials, but I begin to rejoice for what they're going to produce. Are you hearing me? Because I've seen him do it before. And if he did it before with these other trials, he could do it with this trial, too. And not only do I have that reference point, but I have reference points of my own parents. The Treasures Out of Darkness book that you read, I lived. We lived it. And there's lots of parts that you haven't read. They're unwritten. They'll never be written. (laughs) Some of them will never be spoken. (laughs) Imagine if I wrote a tell-all book. I just wrote yeah, ratings, you know, or just to get a bestseller. <laughs> I mean, there's things that just you just don't want to talk about. There's just hurtful stuff that goes on in ministry. Um, it's just uncalled-for stuff. I'm not even talking about my parents, but I'm talking about generally speaking, people, things happen. And it could turn you off before you even get turned on. That's what one of the reasons why I didn't want to get in ministry at first is because I saw the ins and outs. And I saw some things that are not so happy in ministry. There's sad things happen. Hard things happen. Frustrating things happen. I would read letters by accident that were addressed to my dad, and they were letters that were not happy letters. It said sunny Arkansas, so I read it. <laughs> and I go, oh, Lord, let me not read this. I didn't say Lord because I was a kid. But I just, I, I was, I got, whoa, I got blown away by some things. And people that my dad would help all of a sudden weren't there when he needed them. It turned me off. But you know what turned me on? 
when I got when I had my own encounter with the Lord. He opened up my eyes. And instead of being bitter toward those people and toward those people that we live with, I started looking at the people that God did do something in. He switched. It was like having bifocals, and I was looking through the bad-looking lens, you know, the lens that just is always messed up and blurred. But then all of a sudden, boom, we shifted it. You see, look at all the treasures now. Look at all the ones that got saved. Look at all the production. Look at all the people that are now grateful that God saved them through this great ministry called Victory Outreach. Thousands and a few. A few bad ones, but thousands of good ones. It's worth it. I began to see the worth in doing ministry because you got to take the good, the bad, and the ugly with it. There's a lot more good than bad. A lot more good. And I learned to look for the good. So sadness, uh, there's, here's a scripture for you. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I've seen moments where my mom and dad were weeping at the couch, praying together. As a kid, I didn't understand what they were doing sometimes. And I wonder, what is their, why are they so intense today? And now as a pastor, <laughs> I get it. I understand it now to a degree. And you'll get it, too, as God elevates you. How many of you want to be used in God in a strong way? I'll tell you, it's worth the process. Even though the process hurts at times, doesn't feel good all the time, people don't always flow with you. But ultimately, if you're doing it right, it works, and you get stronger through it. Amen? Now, sickness is another thing, and I'm not going to dive into that too heavy, but, but I know there's people that are sick, and that could hold you back from being completely clear because you're always thinking about, am I going to make it? Am I going to live? And the devil begins to give you a fatalistic mentality. Before you know it, you're thinking, I'm not going to be able to survive the next year or two years from now. What am I going to do? And it begins to get a hold of you. And it keeps you back from fulfilling God's vision for you. I have a scripture for you. By his stripes, we were healed. By his stripes, we were healed. Stand upon that scripture. Get the doctor's help, too. But go with God and say, God, I need a healing. He'll heal you. Fourth, another cause. I'm almost done. Sleepiness. Now, we can talk about spiritual sleepiness first here. Meaning dull of hearing. And you know what I see today? Is you guys aren't dull. Possibly tomorrow morning, at Sunday morning, we're going to find some dull hearers. <laughs> Because they come, and some people are they're always there, but they're just religiously there, but they're just dull. Not just this church, any church. <laughs> You're going to find some dull hearers. They come, and as soon as you get into the Word, they're like. I mean, it's like almost like a sleeping pill for them. <laughs> they don't need NyQuil. They don't need a pill. They just need to get into the church to get some sleep. And then, and then, you know what's funny is that during the worship or praise, they're like, fucking, all into it. And then all of a sudden at the altar call, they wake up again. But during the message, start drooling and everything. Eyes glossed over. Dull, dull in hearing, dull in perception. They don't get that they need this the most. 
It's the word of God that sustains you. It's the word of God that cleanses you. It's the word of God that keeps you. It's the word of God that builds your faith. It's the word of God that will carry you into your future. So important that we don't get dull. So important that we hear the truth, that we understand the truth, and that we keep a perception that I need it. I need it. I need more. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ultimately, get the will, will of God in your life. So it's important that we go after God with all of our heart. Now, sleepiness could be also physical. You work too much. Your hours are crazy. But it's economy. I got to make it happen. You got to make it happen? Or is it God that makes it happen? Seek ye who? Seek, seek your job? Seek your boss? Seek your hours? Or do you seek him? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's a lot of people living on their own agenda with their own ideas because they got to make it happen. But we forget that it's God who makes it happen. We are a part of the bigger picture, and God will take care of that if we take care of what we got to do. Now, I'm not saying don't work. Uh, yeah, of course, work. But choose your hours properly if you have an opportunity to choose. Some people can't choose right away because they're new in the job. But if you have an opportunity to choose, choose them right. Make sure you always leave the time for worship, especially Sunday mornings. Leave it wide open so you can really seek the Lord and learn. Too busy for church. Too busy for involvement. Too busy for God. Sometimes we let family take precedence over God. I love my family, having my own little kids now. But listen, God first. I need God first. Sometimes I got to put some things ahead of my kids because of it's priority, because I got to get it done. That's part of what I, my work, of course. But I make it up on the other side of things. You know, I make sure I make some time with them. But it's important that we don't let the workload of life take us off course and get us blurred in our vision. Also, another thing, and this is not for you because you're not lazy, but there's some lazy people. <laughs> None of you are lazy. I know. You're here. You're excited. You're, you, know, you just love to work. There's people that are lazy. And that can keep you back from fulfilling God's best. See, lastly, how do you go from blind eyes to blurred eyes to having a gleam in your eyes? And I hope you're getting a gleam out of my eyes today. Because I am. I, I, when I'm speaking to you, I've lived it. I'm still living it. Tomorrow may hit, I get, may get hit with something, or the next day, where the enemy will try to use something to get me blurred, but i got to clear them up quick, knowing where it's coming from. Okay, gleam in your eye. What does the word gleam mean? Gleam means shine brightly. It means shine brightly, like a star, like a light. To shine bright. You ever see somebody's eyes, they're like glistening? Like, wow, what beautiful eyes. Beautiful eyes. It's, it's kind of like my son, Tyler. Tyler, he, right, Jordan? <laughs> he agrees with me on that one. I got his attention for one. All right. <laughs> Tyler, he's my three-year-old. Tyler wakes up in the morning. As soon as he sees that sun go through the window, it's morning. It's morning time, Dad. It's morning time, Mom. Sun is shining. And I'm not even exaggerating. He's just a lot of love, a lot of joy, a lot of excitement, a lot of bubbling. And I'm looking at him like, man, his eyes are all big. It's morning. 
change my diaper. <laughs> change my diaper. I mean, I, oh, Kim, please change the diaper quick. <laughs> and it's like every day he does that. Then at night, throw me on the bed. Throw me on the bed. It's like life is so fun for him. So easy. So precious. And sometimes it's hard to take a moment and think about why is it like that for him? Because he knows daddy's there. Mommy's there. Security. There's a protection. Everything's met. His needs are being met. Your heavenly father looks after you. He wants you to be happy. That you may have life and have it more abundantly. Over and above. More than enough. Surplus type of mentality that you know that he's going to take care of you. And not just take care of you, but give you more than enough. And having a mentality that I'm going to keep that gleam. I'm going to keep that happiness. I'm going to keep that bright smile. I'm going to keep that attitude that says I got, that God's going to take care of business. Because it's important for you and important for those that you lead. Gleam in the eyes. Jesus wants to fully restore our eyesight, spiritually speaking. He wants to put his hands on us again. How many of you could receive another touch? I can, and I want more. And I prayed for you this morning. I said, God, give them a touch again. Open up their eyes again. Give them a gleam in their eyes. See, it's going to take a touch from the master's hand to see clearly you see, Peter, later in that chapter, verse 31, Jesus, actually verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea. Then they, he says to them, to his disciples, who do men say that I am? Why is he saying that? Does he, he, of course he knows what they're saying, right? But he's testing the disciples. He's testing them. So what does they say? John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Hmm. Peter answered. Peter was quick to always open his mouth. This time he was right on. Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. Another, another uh, uh, gospel, it says, son of the living God. Okay. Then he strictly, Jesus strictly warned them that they should not tell no one about him. In other words, it wasn't his time yet to go to the cross. And then he goes on to say, and he began to teach them that son of man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and priests, but, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter, Peter again here, watch this. Peter went from open eyes, poo, in the, in the zone, in the spirit, to now functioning in the natural. Okay? As soon as Jesus began to speak of his, what's going to happen next, he got to the suffering part, and Peter's going, no, no, master, no, he's thinking, I'm thinking, all of a sudden, he says, I'm going to be killed. All of a sudden, oh, no. He gets him aside. Pulls him aside. And in the Greek, the word rebuked means he literally got his hands on him. He says, no, this is not going to happen. Try to rebuke Jesus. Imagine rebuking Jesus. Crazy, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> rebuked him. He didn't hear the last part. He wasn't listening. He went from wide eyes to now dull and not fully listening. He went ahead. Jesus says he's going to rise again. He didn't catch that part. Maybe, or if he did, he didn't believe it. Hello. He just didn't want Jesus to go. He turned around. Get behind me, Satan. Imagine going from flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. But God in heaven to now you're Satan. 
Satan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Satan. Imagine that. Now, he wasn't calling him Satan, of course. We all know that. I don't have to get into that. But God, the devil used him to say what he said. Are you hearing me? So out of your mouth and out of my mouth can come blessings or curses. Faith or fear. Feeding or getting fed. You see what I'm saying? In other words, we have power in our tongue. But we got to use it under the spirit. Peter had a glimpse of insight and became overzealous. Sometimes we let it go to our head. Now I'm a man of God. Whoa. There was a guy that just got licensed. And as soon as he got licensed, call me pastor. I say, hey, so-and-so. I'm a pastor. Call me pastor. <laughs> okay, whoa. Okay, you're, you're, you're big time. <laughs> wow. Call me Sonny. <laughs> you let it go to your head. You've reached the pinnacle. you reached the peak. But that's not your last peak. There's still more to go. And guess what? To get to the next peak, you're going to go through the valleys to get to the next peak. So don't get spiritually pompous. Don't get spiritually puffed up. Don't get all, whoa, man, I know some things. <laughs> Deep. <laughs> when I get my new building, trust me, I'm going to stay down to earth. Because I'm going to realize, man, this is not the house that Sonny built. This is the house that God built. Give the Lord praise. Now, if I got it too quick, got it too fast, it may have gone to my head. Who knows? It came too easy. And I walked around and said, wow, my dad built, built the first temple. Now I built the second temple. And praise God, the glory of God descends on my temple. <laughs> you know what my son said the other day? I love my son's stuff. Not this son, but the other son. <laughs> when, he's not, when he's not here, I use him more. But the other one, he goes, we went to the building to look at it. Well, we might throw you in there too, Jordan. I'll throw you in, okay. Uh, we went to the other bu our building to look at it, and then I go, someday this, me, just me and him and, 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 and uh, Jordan, Sonny and Jordan. And he goes, I go, isn't that beautiful to see? He goes, yeah. I go, I go someday this could be yours. You're going to take this over. And he goes, no, I'm going to build a build a bigger building. <laughs> I, go, I like that. That's good. At first I go, whoa. And I go, wait, that's good. And then Jordan goes, I'll take this one. <laughs> Jordan's smart. It's a lot of work to build a building. If you could get a building that looks good and you can fix it up, pastors, I recommend it. To build from the ground up, that's a lot of work, a lot of process, a lot of money. But I'll tell you, we're almost there, and it's going to be worth it. Amen? I'm almost done. I know I went a little long today. One minute, with, one minute Peter proclaims a divine truth. The next minute, he's rebuked. God's work in us is not finished. He desires to open up our eyes more and more. What are some signs of you having a gleam in your eyes? This is going to be quick. Someone come to the piano. Eyes of hunger, eyes of thirst. These are signs, and I see that here today. I wish everybody that was supposed to be here today was here, despite the rain, so they could hear this because it is for a lot more people. But maybe they'll get the CD, maybe they'll hear it then. Gleaming your eyes has to do with being teachable. 
trainable. The only way you have eyes of hunger and thirst is that you're teachable and trainable. You can have a posture of trainable or a posture. You have a countenance that looks like you have, but inside you are like, I know what I'm doing, man. Yeah, teach me a thing. Is your heart still hardened? That's what Jesus would say. See, you still, you can't still get, you can't get it. You got to have a soft heart. Okay. It means, it means to be teachable and trainable. Let's break it down even further. It means you, you need to be humble. You need to be, have a humility in order to be trainable, teachable. Secondly, gleaming your eyes has to do with eyes of fire. Eyes of fire. While you just, just look at something and go, whoa. Determination, anticipation, expectation. Those are eyes of fire. Faith and hope, focus, eyes of fire. Eyes of fire, eyes of faith. Eyes of compassion. Lift up your eyes, the Bible says, and look to the fields for they're white and ready for harvest. You can't lift up eyes that are blurred. You can't lift up eyes that are blind. You can't lift up eyes that are weary. You can only lift up eyes that are clear. Eyes that are faithful to God and trusting in God. Today, God wants to clear our eyes once again. I want everyone to stand. Oh, God, take us to new levels. Let us not be satisfied with the status quo. Let us not become mediocre in our faith. Let's all close our eyes. Lord, I pray right now that we will not become stagnant, mediocre, and that we would stay.